0: over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. Yeah, so orangutan. again, every species is just exciting to cover, but these guys, like... What can they teach us?
1: Their intelligence. Researchers in 2003 reported that orangutans have evidence of culture.
0: Many species are in crisis and need your help.
1: Palm oil. Right, right. Um, it's, it's cool to use sustainable palm oil. It's cool. Trust me. The the animals, thank you.
0: Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. All right. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Angie. Angie, my stuff finally made it to New Zealand. <laughs> <It's>,
1: Congratulations! <laughs> it it's has like, been three months. Yeah, it's like Christmas all over. Finding lots of fun trinkets you probably should have thrown out before you shipped it thousands of miles. Oh,
0: are you? <laughs> oh, I, I, you are not kidding me. The stuff they packed because my wife's job paid for the move, so they packed everything for us. And like I'm rolling, unrolling like this little plastic cup. I'm like, why did we save this? First of all, I'm. Tr- Try not to buy plastic anymore, but like the littlest things they packed is like so ridiculous.
1: Well, (laughs) yeah, you'll have a yard sale in your your new house, so there you go. (laughs) Yeah,
0: just for anybody, the reason I bring that up is it's been three months since I've seen my stuff. If you move overseas, just realize it's going to take a long time to get there. And I guess unless you pay tons of money or something. But honestly,
1: Chris, I mean, did you really miss your stuff? Because I miss I, my bed. Oh well, okay, touche. I <laughs> I can get behind that. I can get behind that. But I, yeah, I, I like to pride myself on being somewhat of a minimalist, which is super hard yes. with little kids, um, and yes. a husband that likes to collect stuff. But yep. in the same instance, I wonder what it would be like to be kind of camping for three months in a in a rental house.
0: <laughs> yes, it was it was great because I was so nervous about all the stuff that's descended on us and you know, the homes in New Zealand are much smaller than in the States. So I realized how much wasted room we had in our home, but yeah, I mean there's stuff. I mean like my pillow, like we got here and you buy the cheapest pillow you you can Mm -hmm. because you know, Mm -hmm. you've got a good one coming.
1: Right. And
0: it was like, that was really nice. You know, our own sheets, not sleeping on the floor anymore, stuff like that.
1: Interestingly enough, Chris, speaking of pillows, I think that's a very good segue. To let the listeners know that this week we're, we picked a very, very, very amazing and intelligent and ambassador wow. species that also has been known to use pillows. Yeah, yeah. And appreciate a good pillow. Yeah,
0: you get, I can't wait to tell us about this.
1: So, listeners, please stay tuned and we'll discuss how orangutans, our species of the week. It yes. uses pillows.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, just like us. I, I'm excited to hear that because I, I didn't, you know, when you get into the behavior stuff. And so I really want to be surprised on just how intelligent they are and and how they are a lot like us. So, um, yeah. So orangutan, again, every species is just exciting to cover. But these guys, like anybody that's ever seen them, you know, if you're if you ever seen them in the wild, you're blessed because that would just be amazing. But, you know, most of us have seen them in captivity at zoos and just like you look at them and
1: you're just odd odd like just oh, there's jaw drops beautiful intelligent creatures i feel like i have a lot of bad hair days but honestly looking <laughs> at them is look i felt like i was looking in the mirror and i mean yeah. that to to compliment them and not necessarily not compliment myself but just really it, their eyes and their features uh, soft eyes kind eyes intelligent, intelligent eyes. And of course, as always, before doing the podcast, I sit down with my husband and I, who has worked with orangutans in the past and asked him to share some experiences with me. And I found myself being fascinated by his stories, but also a little jealous. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. that sounds so cool. But, Chris, so what he told me was there's an old wise tale. Is it a wife's tale or wise tale?
0: Wife. Wife's okay. Tale? Okay, yeah. Huh? Yeah, Wife's Tale. Th- yeah. All
1: about learning here, right? An yeah, old yeah. Wi- an old zookeeping wife's tale that, regarding orangutans. So if you give a gorilla, a chimpanzee, an orangutan, which are all in the grade 8 family, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. screwdriver, a gorilla's going to eat it, <laughs> <laughs> a chimp will stab with it, yeah. Potentially another chimp, yeah. <laughs> our our close our closest relative. <laughs> yes, and an orang will take apart or dismantle its exhibit and get yeah. out. <laughs>
0: that's hilarious. Yeah.
1: So it gives you a little bit of input into what <laughs> the intelligence of these guys and what it would be like to work with them as far as their behaviors, and they're so inquisitive. Right. And, and that's one of the other main things John told me was is like I said, just how much they would study you as a keeper and they are very kind, but also, yeah, it's, <laughs> you don't want to begin getting a zookeeper working with these right. guys. Cause if they, if you, if you miss, if you miss a beat, man, they yeah, are on to I'm you still big laughing time. They'll they be out in a heartbeat. I'm still laughing about yeah. that
0: story. <laughs> like a <laughs> chimpanzee will stab you and then the gorilla will just eat it and then the orangutan, the, the brilliant one will uh will break out. I remember growing, you know, growing up in San Diego and the orangutan getting out of the exhibits there and they just had a hell of a time figuring out how to build these exhibits to keep them captive because they would get out and they just wander the zoo like, hey, I'm just checking things out. Oh, sure. You know? and
1: then, yeah. They come in the yeah. next
0: morning and the orangutan like probably operating the ticket window like, hey, you want to come to my zoo? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they, uh, oh yeah, it's hilarious. They, I will say too, before we get rolling, I did, when Ashley worked at the the Greenville Zoo in South Carolina, there were orangutans and they had a baby. So I got to be a little bit up close Aww, and personal Precious. Too. And when they were doing some training, I was, you know, in the, obviously protected contact, but the big male was over there and they they would teach him to, you know, present his shoulder so he could get his vaccinations mm-hmm. and things like that. And he loved granola bars. That is how, they, that was their treat. <laughs> Who doesn't love
1: granola bars? <laughs> I know. I remember the
0: the chewy granola bars they would hand it to him and he would just, I uh, loved it. And, you know, when you're like two feet away from an orangutan and they're looking at you and just... The respect I have for those creatures is just, oh, they're wonderful. Love them, love them. So I'm glad we're, I'm excited. I'm excited that we covered them this week. Angie, you and I are saying orangutan, mm-hmm. which is the the American or U.S. version of how to say this. Now, that's kind of falling out of favor because that's not the proper pronunciation. You know I me and my words. So the proper way to saying orangutan, or it should be said, orangutan. Guh, tan mm, so bring a tan right? i like it yeah yeah there's no g at the end so
1: well and honestly i have to admit like i said i think i have mom brain yeah. 24/7 this these past couple of months Yeah. but when i was the first time i typed it i put a g on the end yeah. because of the yeah. way and then, like, you know, the computer was yelling at me, like, that's not how you spell it. So I, right. I like orangutan better, right? Is that orangutan?
0: Orangutan, yeah. yeah. orangutan, yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that better so, because it's how it sounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, so orangutan. I will do my best. I know I won't. Um, Ashley told me to say orangs, <laughs> so like you did, so I may just say orangs. But, you know, it, it. if you do say orangutan, it's it's still acceptable. It's just falling out of favor is is what I read. Now the reason the, the proper pronunciation it comes from Malaysia in their language so orang means forest hutan or Gu- hutan means person so orang hutan or ring hutan is how we say it in English means forest person so that's what they're described as uh, that's where that's where it came from Now if again in the beginning we talk about the description if you don't know what they look like please in your lifetime Go look at orangutans. You need to. They just. Uh, I want to hug them, but I don't want to because they. You know.
1: I. Yes, they have very, very long, strong arms, so it might not be the most pleasant hug you've ever had. <laughs>
0: no, no, they could kill you. But the the people that that work at rescue them, or work in these rehabilitation centers in Borneo and uh, where they live in Indonesia. And I watch them walk around with orangutans hanging around them, the young ones. Oh my god. Like just the doing 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 God's work as we would say. So an orangutan is obviously it's not a monkey. It's a non human primate. So it's part of the great apes. You have the chimpanzees, you have Angie, then you have the humans. <laughs> yeah you didn't catch that did you so have, i did you know, i did humans, i was
1: drinking my tea yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> okay so you have humans then you have the the gorillas the chimpanzees and then you have the orang- orangutans so those are the the great apes so not monkeys they're they're primates now the orangutans are reddish orange hair they're they're peelage and then Beautiful they have dark gray color. skin mm-hmm right and then as Angie said, their arms are twice as long as their body. So they have really, really long arms, but their legs are only about half as long as their arms. So they have really sh- kind of short, stubby legs. Uh, the males, and towards the end, especially when we get to repro, we'll talk a little bit about the their dished face, mm-hmm. but we call those the phalanges. So they have these really huge cheeks, uh, as you would see around the eyes and forehead. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, here a la- little bit later on. But just a just a gorgeous, gorgeous creature now, Angie, these orangs live in Sumatra and Borneo, so they're in Southeast Asia, kind of near me, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of close to them. God, I would love to go up there and see them. I would just love it, love it, really, Chris. You should put that on your bucket amazing. list. I mean, Indonesia would be amazing, it'd be amazing um so yeah they they live in that part of the world, and really,' this, you know tropical rainforest. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's that's their habitat. That's where they they really live and thrive. And interestingly, too, when you really study their habitats, they particularly live along waterways or lowlands. Not so much. They need the moisture because when I get to nutrition, I'll talk about where they get their water. But it's where a lot of fruit grows. Right. So their diet makes up a lot of fruit. And so they're going to live where there's lots of fruit. Right, so it makes kind of sense for them to live there. Now, what was also interesting, think reading about their habitat, is they don't really like to go very high in the mountains. So they they don't find any orangs above five hundred meters or sixteen hundred feet.
1: Oh, elevation. yeah, that's not very high at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because in Borneo and Sumatra. They have a lot of these mountain ranges that are really high mm-hmm. and they don't find them up there at all. They, they don't, they don't explore. They don't go up. Like you think, mount, think mountain gorilla, right? And they, the orangs do not go up there. They really like these swampy areas. That uh, might be you know, something to little, do little, with, like little you little said, the
1: fruit trees and where those mm-hmm. are found and perhaps those aren't found in higher right. elevations. Right.
0: Now here's a word of the week for people, a boreal species. I think we might've said that before, but. I'm not sure. The This means, arboreal, means they live in trees.
1: Yep. Compared to all the other species of great apes, they spend a majority or most of their time in trees compared to the others. Right.
0: Yeah. They just, they live up there mm-hmm. and they rarely come to the ground. They sleep
1: up there. Mm-hmm.
0: And really, and think about it, they're really avoiding predators and tigers and leopards are their two big ones, Right. Yeah, and then when you were talking about the great apes and you know how the chimps are pretty violent and a gorilla is tough, it will just eat the screwdriver. The rags just seem more docile, right? Not as aggressive, I guess. Sure, you say.
1: and it might be a behavioral strategy due to the fact that they are solitary for the solitary but social. So they're even when they do cross paths, a lot of times they're not. Extremely aggressive with each other, and that might have to do something with uh, similar to when we were talking about bats. Is that only certain areas of trees fruit at certain times? So they might be foraging in a similar location as another one, and therefore there's not. It's not going to be ben- beneficial for them to be super aggressive and hurting each other, right? Right. And fighting over these fruits. It's because when a tree fruits, it's super plentiful,
0: right. Right. So
1: they kind of can experience like sharing means caring, kind of docile, a go. little bit more laid back than having than having to, than having to like fight for the resources or I can something. Tell your mom, you um, so tell you're a mom, it's so funny though. A reggaeton, oh,
0: sh- sharing is caring. <laughs> That's a new podcast motto.
1: Exactly. I probably have said that like sixty times today with my boys,
0: <laughs> and they're at that age where they just don't uh, share. I mean, they just don't share. They.
1: Oh, my boys are you can tell they related chimps. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> Don't give them a screwdriver. Do not give them a screwdriver.
1: Yeah, they're not going to eat that screwdriver. They're not going to deconstruct my house. They're going to stab each other with it. Let's be real. <laughs> oh god. Um, um yeah. But you know, Chris, it is it is interesting and and my husband did point out that yeah, he felt that of the other great ape species he worked with that yeah, they they are a little bit more docile and and the origin for that is probably not necessarily known, um, but I, there must be a reason for right. it. Right? I
0: was thinking like, you know, because we were talking about them being a boreal. So, you know, not having to deal with, with predation as much, you know, they just kind of avoid it so they don't have to be as violent or, you know, quick to anger or something like that to protect themselves. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? It'd be, yeah, there you go. There's a good research study uh, for you, Angie. Yeah. I was going to
1: say, well, Chris, you bring up an excellent point. Uh, there's a lot that we don't right. know about these
0: yeah.
1: orangutans. And to the fact that researchers are studying them out in the wild that are desperately trying to help them, and like you said, doing God's work to try to save these species, which we'll touch on in the conservation section. And they know that one of the ways to do that is to learn more about their natural behavior in order to try to help best protect them in their natural habitat. No, that's
0: a, a good segue quickly into the the slide I'm actually looking at, and that's talking about... The conservation and why we, we we chose this species I mean they've been in the news lately which is really good they're getting some some love and
1: yes and interestingly enough for those that follow the podcast I've mentioned I believe in the past that my conservation crush which <laughs> I'm allowed to have <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is trying to help out orangutans and I was very excited to read that article in fact, my husband, who is very supportive of my conservation crush, was the one that pointed out this article. He's like, Oh <laughs> look what Leo's doing <laughs> look what Leo's doing now. I think he has a little crush on him too, at least for his conservation efforts. But yeah. yeah, uh he recently, uh I think just like a day or two ago, was encouraging people to virtually adopt uh orangutans by sending money to a uh, charity called International Animal Rescue that adopt mm-hmm. these orphaned orangutans. Mm-hmm. So, really cool stuff. Thanks, Leonardo.
0: Yes. We thank love you, you. I love yeah, you. Yeah. We'd love to interview you for the podcast. I'll I'll try to get that set up uh, soon. Yeah, I sent his, <laughs> I,
1: I did know, I, I mean, I'm not a stalker or anything, but I did yeah. send an email <laughs> to his organization and have not heard back. So Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. All yeah, we'll we can see. do is keep trying, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the but, you know, the reason he's jumping in with both feet and a lot of people around the Earth is not only are they a flagship species for that part of Earth, so in the flying fox episode, Angie and I talked about, you know, preserving the habitat for orangutans is going to have a beneficial effect for flying foxes in that part of the world. The habitat reduction, this species, I think, is a, is a perfect example of what is going on out there. And when you look at their environment and how it has been reduced in less than 70 years. It's, it's like 60, 70% of their habitats lost to ag logging, you know, some of the things that we're going to talk about later. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's been horrific for them and I'll definitely, you know, put some of this stuff in the show notes. So at the end of the podcast, obviously we'll talk a little bit more about the conservation, but you know, kind of leads in why should we care about, Ranks.
1: Well, Chris, you touched on it just a second ago and the fact that they are this big, brilliant flagship species. So saving them is not going to only have effect on the orangutans, but it's also going to have a trickle-down effect on other species of both animals and plants that are also being devastated by this habitat loss and deforestation and fragmentation. And the other really key thing that we've touched on in this podcast before is the fact That orangutans eat a lot of fruit. And so, what goes in one end comes out the other. Comes out
0: the the other. Mm -hmm.
1: And so, they're known as seed dispersers. And they disperse plants and seeds and fruits all throughout the jungle. In fact, one species of plant that actually is a little bit toxic but doesn't appear to affect the orangs, they're the only known fruit disperser of this plant oh wow okay so they get wiped out there goes that plant so as, right. as you can see there's there's many many complex interactions that would be really lost if the orangutan right. was lost and yeah I think that's it's
0: interesting because I was gonna say I remember talking to Niaga and he brought up this species of tree where the dodo used to live and then there's no new trees. Because now they believe that the dodo was really critical to some part of the digestive process or whatever that helped fertilize these seeds. And being that the dodo's gone away, now these trees are going away. The you know, jumping into the evolution, we we've already covered primates and monkeys and the cat ball. So this, you know, the story that stretches sixty five million years, I'm not gonna recap again. But all right, so some of the things that make us, you know, make orangs and us primates, we have forward-looking eyes for 3D viewing. We have eye sockets that actually protect our eyes. We have opposable thumbs. That's for, a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And then opposable thumbs for grasping. This was re- In texting. Yeah, texting. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> like you said, this is the one thing that we're going to keep. The uh, large brains, but this was cool. I didn't realize this in other primate species- Unique fingerprints. So not only
1: do mm-hmm. humans
0: have fingerprints, but also orangs, uh, the gorillas, and chimps also have unique fingerprints. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cool though. Yeah. So just you know, really quick, the apes broke off. You know, around this primate evolution around 20 million years ago, and this was the first you know monkey slash primate that the relatives had no take tail really strong limbs and their posture was more upright right so they they could mm-hmm. stand a little bit more then about 10 million years ago like angie said the apes migrated to asia asia and then that led to the gibbons which are the lesser apes and then the orangs which are the great apes so the great apes are again us the gorillas chimpanzees and the orangs now angie i bet this is the one thing i was so excited to talk about and i don't know <laughs> You know, uh, you always get dorky about this evolution stuff, but I found King Kong. There was a King Kong.
1: Wow. Do tell. I
0: don't know if you knew about this. No. Okay. Um, But my friend Jesse here knew about it. I was like, oh, you knew about this guy? So there was a huge ape. Now, not King Kong as big as, you know, the Empire State Building or whatever when he gets to the top of it. But there was an ape called Gigantopithecus. So, this awesome, guy, yeah, it was about three hundred thousand years ago, when they died out. Some studies I think I saw a hundred thousand years ago, so very recent in the geological record, and they lived in vietnam china this this part of Southeast Asia, so very closely related to orangs. so could you, just take a guess how how heavy do you think they were?
1: large ape, oh man, oh uh. I don't know, 500, 1,000 pounds?
0: 1,000, you're close. 1,200 pounds. 1,200 pounds. Yikes. The, the, as heavy as a big horse, or med- yeah, medium, large size horse. I, was say,
1: I, I yeah. Chris, it's so funny. You and I think so much. Of, like I, I just pictured like a huge horse standing upright, but being a monkey. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like my yeah. worst nightmare. Yes. They, this guy wow. was 540 kilograms.
0: Yeah. They stood 10 feet tall. Or three meters. Yikes. (laughs) This thing, I was like, are you kidding me? This thing lived. I found a giant ape. So it can go with that giant saber-toothed cat, you know, the size of a horse. Wow. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, So the orangs, they split off from the great apes around this time, and then they settled in Southeast Asia. They actually were up into China, uh, that Mm -hmm. part of, of Asia too, and then obviously as humans, dominated, pushed them out. Uh, they got more isolated to Indonesia. Now there are two accepted species. And then, like you said, the third species that was just discovered last year. So the two that have long been followed is the Sumatran orangutan. And these are critically, both of them are, all of them are critically endangered, but there's roughly 14,000 left So small basketball arena, college basketball arena size, like that's your whole population left on Earth. Yeah, Yeah. And then the Borneo orangutan, again, endangered with uh, 50,000 left. So, you know, small football.
1: Well, yeah, and I read uh, new reports, too, that it's hard to perfectly estimate uh, the number of species because of how they live in the trees and the fragmented populations and also the deep forest that they live in. But that one might even, you know, they're all trending downward, but. Right. uh,
0: Yeah, which is nothing, nothing of a population mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. of a species, especially, you know, a a big primate. Then, Angie, like you said, the the new species just discovered was the Tupeli orangutan. Now, this one, there's only 800 left. Yeah, So this is, yeah, the most endangered great ape. The mountain gorilla is a close second, but this one is, you know, there's very few of them left. And they are isolated in North Sumatra. Mm-hmm. And they think about, you know, reading up the, the scientific papers about these guys, they split off about 20,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they have found some DNA, differences in DNA, and then their behavior is slightly different too from the other two uh, species. I found a quote in this article It was actually posted on the the World Wildlife Fund uh, page. I want to really read this because this sums up so much, uh, again, trying to capture on what's going on around the planet. So the researcher said, this discovery not only demonstrates how much we still don't know about the biodiversity on our planet, but also sheds further light on the precarious position species like the Tapanuli orangutan are in, as their forest homes are increasingly threatened by conversion. I mean, I just I read that and I was like, wow, that sums up a lot. It's a heavy, heavy thought. Very heavy. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that we still are discovering new species, like a great ape. Exactly. You know, a species of great ape that wow, just we still don't know a lot about our 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 planet.
1: And this this. Newer grade ape, the Tapanuli, I related to them too because they talked about their frizzy hair, yeah. and I yeah, was that's like, right. "Oh, that's right. that was one of the." I mean, they had. There's a lot more differences behaviorally and mm-hmm. a few physical differences, but yeah, the frizzy hair. Um, <laughs> it's your long ma- lost relative. <laughs> ma- yeah, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's once again." That's like looking at myself in the mirror. Uh, yeah, I- and I, uh, but yeah, no, just to, for me uh, to help myself, I was I put three pictures of male, full grown mature male orangutans of three different species up mm-hmm. uh next to each other and you can really see the differences in, in yeah. hair, facial structures, eye, mm-hmm. the the well defined cheek or phalanges area. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean this just yeah. happened. So right, I mean what what else are we gonna find if given a chance? Right. You know right. I mean Wow, it's it's uh and hopefully it's not too late for these guys. And that's we don't want to be all doom and gloom. There's now that researchers are aware of this new species in this area. They're they're working their buns off to try to save them and and conserve them and we'll we'll talk on some of the conserva- great great conservation conservation efforts going on throughout the world internationally especially in Indonesia. And uh yeah, yeah so there is I hope. Think-
0: Oh there absolutely is hope. I mean that's not only doing this podcast, it you know the people that are listening mm-hmm. they're part of the solution. They, you know, and our listeners, you know, uh, you know Angie and I love you to death and we're just so excited to to be able to share this stuff with you. But share it with people you know because that's mm-hmm. we need to network and push the message. But now you have Leonardo DiCaprio. You have the the news highlighting these species So people are paying attention, and you know, towards yeah, a ton of good
1: work going on, and international organizations, uh, and tons of conservation groups, and many of your local zoos are doing amazing work. I'm going to touch on uh, my favorite zoo doing orangutan work later on the podcast. So yeah, I mean, that's the thing is there's a lot going a lot going on to to be hopeful about, uh, but it definite actions need to be taken and uh, we need to get, we need to get right. the world word out people. So let's do right, this right, thing. Right. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. 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 So just some of the, the specific uh, traits of, a ring, of these rings. So they live up to 60 years in the wild and captivity. Now, Angie, one thing I was thinking about, I was like, is a male ape, orangutan? they have a special name and I never even heard one because there isn't one. <laughs> Oh, that's so, so funny, Chris!
1: I, yeah, yeah I, you're there right. Is, I there suppose one. Yes, they're just and the same thing probably for gorilla and chimpanzee too, right? Right,
0: yeah. right. There's no special name for males or females. They're just a male chimp, okay. a female chimp, a male orang, a female orang. Now there is there is a special name of a group of orangutans. I did find that. Ooh, I don't know, you know, this, I don't know
1: this. This is why I love this show.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's called... It, it's funny because we're talking about these being the wisest of, of all of them. Uh, but it's called a Congress. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. well... I know the feeling Ooh, the politics yeah, in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I was going to say, I,
1: I don't... That, I mean... Perhaps when this term was coined, those were some of the wisest people in the land, yeah.
0: <laughs> perhaps <laughs> not much anymore, yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, I guess it depends on where you live but yeah,
1: um a group of orangs is called a Congress, right, and right. now I'm sure you're familiar with what a baby orangutan is called, yeah, baby, me <laughs> what <laughs> close a little bit more proper term yeah. for baby.
0: Uh, it was, it's, I didn't find anything special about it. What? You tell me. Infant. Infant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Human. Yeah. Human yeah. terms. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So an infant, exactly. yeah. An infant, uh, orang. Now the largest sexual dimorphism of any mammal.
1: Right. Super cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which, just for
1: our listeners, a quick reminder, sexual dimorphism means that between the males and females, there's a a size difference and big differences. And so with the orangs, the male is two to three times larger. So an average male is going to weigh – or an average female is going to weigh 30 to 50 kilograms – and I don't even know what pounds that is. Um, 82. But, but, then, yeah, I have 80, 80
0: pounds. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And then a male is going to be double that or so.
0: Right. Around 200 ma- or 190. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. about 87 kilograms. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty
1: impressive. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And then just in height, the males can stand 54 inches or 1.4 meters. Females, 45 inches or 1.1 1. 1 meters. This was cool. Males have a wingspan of almost seven feet or two meters.
1: I read almost up to eight feet, but yes, yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you said wingspan. <laughs> Did you yeah. mean wingspan? Or is that the right? Wingspan. You mean arm span? Yeah. Oh, arms it's called span, wingspan, wingspan. Okay.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. See, like me, I'm flapping my arms at Angie over <laughs> FaceTime. Face um, <laughs> now, I, I like this too. The males, Angie, as you listen to this have sexy beards and m- mustaches <laughs> huh and they, yeah, i, I didn't did read about, about it
1: well to be honest i did read i didn't read about the beard part i am a fan yeah. of beards uh i yeah. but i read about mustaches and i was kind of like eh, those aren't those don't do those <laughs> don't do it for me <laughs> it's like, they have those old 70s mustaches I, to- I totally yes i just pictured like my dad in the 70s like, yeah that's not doing it for me no now, a beard, like all the hipsters and whatnot, I can, and my husband yeah. grows a beard sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can get behind a beard. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty a funny sexy. description. And then, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and then they also, Angie, have these large throat sacks that the girls just go crazy for.
1: Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, yeah. every lady likes himself a large throat sack, let's be honest. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do they call it? Goiter or something weird here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sexy. But it it is part of the male sexual sure. uh, or male attractiveness sure. of females. Mm-hmm. So they really like those large throughout <laughs> sex. So you know, I have to grow that out. Like I said, I gotta write a book on this stuff. Uh we'll get to the Flanges uh, a little bit later about that, but they oh my god, these guys are are, are pretty Pretty awesome. I will say that the males, you know, healthier males have really well-developed flanges. Now, these throat sacs are important, right? I mean, not only is it just attractiveness, but it is. Yes,
1: they serve a function, uh, form and function. We talk a lot about in biology. And the function is for vocalizations. Uh, Orangutans, not surprisingly, have a large amount of communications. Of course, verbal and nonverbal. But with verbal, they have a lot of sounds. And so a mature male, a breeding male uh, that's dominant of age, will make these long calls that attract uh, the females and advertise themselves to other non-dominant males. Uh, Orangutans, this just makes me giggle. When they're Uh, annoyed, this is like totally what I would do. when they're annoyed, they actually like suck air in through their lips and make a a kissing sound. It's Uh. called the kiss squeak. So they'll they'll do, they'll do that when they're annoyed, and I'll, I'll have to ask my husband tonight if he ever got kiss squeaked, which meant an orangutan was annoyed with him.
0: He's like, Angie, you did that to yeah, me last night, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
1: and then once again, just to make them, if they're not already near and dear to your heart, to make them a little more endearing, orangutans are known to blow raspberries, which is just precious. As a mom, I. You know, I blow raspberry on my baby's bellies all the time. So I just, that to me is just my little happy thought of the day for what these guys do to communicate. And if you bear with me, me I have a male with his beard and mustache and phalange <laughs> sexy cheeks. Sexy mustache. <laughs> yeah. And Doing, sexy
0: throat uh, sack. Yeah,
1: yeah. Doing what's called a long call, which is why he needs his big throat sack. So you can see why that throat sack is so important, <laughs> right? Right. It, yeah. Or you can hear it.
0: You're talking about you know not only the vocalization, but what is coming to my head all of a sudden, and I'm really going to date myself, right? <laughs> so for any of the listeners that are out there that are that are older than forty, might remember any which way but loose. Negative. Or ghost any which way you can. Mm-mm. No, you don't remember those Clint Eastwood movies? <laughs> right turn,
1: Clyde. Well, first of all, I I'm not I don't the big four O is is a, um, a little bit away from me, not not that much longer. But
0: you were alive when that movie came out. I know you were alive, but it uh, Clint Eastwood was a boxer or something, and he had a orang as his companion, like his friend. Which is a and bad bad in thing. Truck and he's like, yes, we you don't want out as a as a pet. But it was hilarious. He's like, right turn, Clyde, and the orang. A ring just kicks his arm out. and just like right hooks this biker.
1: <laughs> it's just,
0: oh my god! Those that's I was a kid when that movie came out. I wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It there sounds like the slapstick. Arang's yeah, it in, sounds uh, like the cinema. slapstick
1: humor that uh, John or my boys would like. <laughs> I don't. John probably me, knows it. John me, knows yeah. that movie. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: that's a great one.
1: Well, getting back to their behavior, uh, they do spend most of their time in trees. They're arboreal, which you had already talked about earlier. But what I really want to focus on, if you'll bear with me, because I just really dove deep into this rabbit hole of the orangutans nest building behavior. Right. So since they spend most of their time up in the trees, they sleep up there. And so almost every night they build a nest. And I was like, okay, cool. They, yeah, put some leaves down, and they build a nest. Oh, no, no, no. This is a really carefully constructed, complex intertwining of branches and twigs. In fact, a young orangutan actually have to learn it from their moms by observing it each, each night when they build it. And they they do some braiding, and it's a very like procedural structure way that they do it, and they reinforce it. And mm-hmm. then, Chris... As I had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, orangutans have different preferences for additional comfort features that they uh-huh, add to the uh-huh. <laughs> that they add to the nest, such as pillows, blankets, roofs. <laughs> wait for it, bunk beds.
0: <laughs> Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> I know. I'm like I don't know. I might just see that. I I might have to see that to believe that. But that's what I read. <laughs> yeah. And. And it, it made me giggle because we just got our boys' bunk beds about three weeks uh-huh. ago. And right. now, granted, the bunk bed came in two boxes with, like, 50 pieces of wood. Bless my, right. hus- bless John, my husband's heart. He and Xander painstakingly put it together over the course of I don't even know how many hours. But I just, <laughs> you know, but here I am picturing, like, wow, these orangutans, like, whipped together some, bra- you know, make yeah. bunk beds every night and no problem. Right. And, you know, him and Xander were kind of pissing and moaning like, Oh my God. And they had instructions too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I would never even try. <laughs> I would just hire somebody to build it or I'd buy a prebuilt one. Right. Uh, Cause I'm that lazy, right, right. but you know, so it's just, for me, it just, I mean, we know they're like us. We know they're one of our closest relatives, but some of these behaviors, just when I'm reading about them, they just, I'm just so floored. How I, as I'm reading I, about yeah. orangutans, I'm picturing my husband and my son building bunk beds, which that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> and I mean that in the most right. compliment-loving right. way possible. That doesn't usually happen when you're reading a lot about other species, and it's because they are, are um, they are so brilliant and unique. But they they also lead solitary lives for the most part. And when I say that, they're known as solitary but social species. Lastly, Chris, I just want to briefly touch on their intelligence because that could be, we need to do a whole, we need to get an orangutan specialist on here. We, I, we have to find one. If anybody knows of one, um, I'd love to hear more in depth uh, about some of the studies and some of our understanding of where we're at with their intelligence. Researchers in 2003 reported that orangutans have evidence of culture. And by culture I don't necessarily mean listening to Justin Bieber or Taylor yeah, Swift that's or that's not culture. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh the Beatles. <laughs> Thank you. That's culture. No, I agree. I agree. I'm, Mozart, I'm a,
0: Beethoven. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But so like you said, there's once so that's there's all sorts of different cultural uh interpretations. For us humans, right? As far as religion, as far as family, society, belief, politics. What they have found is that um, in Borneo, this, the orangutans there they do different behaviors, such as using handful of leaves as napkins, which is super cute. They wipe their <laughs> they wipe their their chins huh, off huh. with napkins after eating a yeah. juicy fruit, just just the way I would. Yeah. My son wouldn't. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but they don't see this behavior in all the different areas. The Sumatran orangutans will use leaves as gloves when they're handling spiny fruit or branches. It's like putting a, you know, oh, wow. they handle like roses, you put a glove on. So right. right they right, basically right. build a leaf glove to protect themselves, right, right. learn more about the cool things. They, oh, and <laughs> they use um, seat cushions. In spiny trees, so they protect their smart. Oh, that's hilarious. They protect their bum. They like they they put a pillow down. Yeah, <laughs> so.
0: yeah they uh, talking about their fruit and wiping their mouths. I mean, they they are omnivores. They look at their digestive system. You know, because like we you know think about our digestive system in relation to another great ape. Their cecum's a little bit larger than ours, so they can digest some of this fiber. It's almost like these hindgut fermenters we see with horses and rhinos and other species like that. They do eat lots of fruit, seeds, bark, nuts, insects, honey. Mm-hmm. If they can find mm-hmm. it. And then sometimes being an omnivore, they will eat some small vertebrates so, lizards, mice, birds.
1: Slow lorries,
0: lorises. Oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> right there. Yeah. yeah. I was like,
0: wow, okay. Poor little guys. And then, yeah, then I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're arboreal. They live up in the forest. Do they sneak down to drink? And generally, they don't. So, their moisture, they just get from licking leaves, trees, things well, like very that. Very interesting. That's that makes sense. Water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So they don't like sneak down to get drinks of water. And then they actually, like you said, with their intelligence, they very uh, they use tools. Mm-hmm. So that's another sign of intelligence. Mm-hmm. They use sticks and rocks to open up some of that food or fruit. So kind of, you know, really unique behaviors. Now, I think one thing we should cover quickly is the repro. Oh, yes.
1: And I don't, I mean, I'll try to be quick at it, but it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, okay. Let's go. Let's, let's hit hit, hit us uh, with it. Um,
1: everybody take a big sip of their water or tea. No, here we go. Uh, no, just <laughs> the really cool stuff is we've talked about the males in this distinct phalanges or round, big, mm-hmm. just almost silly looking cartoonish right. cheeks that they have. And what that is is males mature... Around 7 to 8, maybe even 15 years, it just depends on if they're in a wild setting or if they're housed under human care. But when they do mature, they get these prominent cheek pads, which are called phalanges, and like Chris mentioned, the throat sacs, which is used to make these loud verbalizations or long calls for mating and territorial calls. They also get a little bit longer coat of dark hair on their back. And Chris, interestingly enough, there's two types of mature, sexually active males in a Congress. Right, that's what it's called—a group of yeah. <laughs> a group of ranks um, in a Congress. then yeah. one of them is going to have these flang- flanged cheeks and mm-hmm. and be dominant and have loud verbalizations. And then the other is going to be most likely younger. And be an, basically an unflanged, so not having these big cheeks and throat sacs, right. male that looks like an adult female. And this is what.
0: Which, yeah, bizarre. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: And so in biology, this is what's considered as an arrested development, okay, where hmm. the.
0: Great show, by
1: the way. <laughs> Great show. I definitely agree with you on that one yep. for sure. Much more than the Clint Eastwood movie, whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um, Last century. Yeah, Literally. yeah. You, you lost me on that one, buddy. Um, my main take home message today is that orangutans have the slowest known life history of any mammal. They take the longest to grow up and they're the slowest to reproduce. So when we lose one to poaching or habitat loss, it is really hard for them to recover. Okay, so once again, males don't become sexually active until they're eight, but most likely 15, sometimes even later. Females will have their first reproductive cycle, their first menstrual cycle from six to 12 years. But they're not going to have an offspring, most likely, uh, especially in the wild, until they're about 15 or 16 years of age, if that. But here's the kicker, Chris. So a female gives birth, and right. their interval between births is between eight to 10, to even longer, before they have another That's infant. Crazy. So they have, let me re- make this sure this is real clear, they have the longest interbirth interval among the great apes. I mean, that is just. Right really long okay but the, yeah and another thing that's really cool about orangutans, since i'm a mom and this is super impressive guess how long they lactate or breastfeed their young
0: uh one and a half
1: years right so in human that's wrong yeah. i mean that's the wrong answer, but you're wrong. right in thinking. Oh okay. um, <laughs> th- 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 yeah. Humans. Thanks for thanks for playing. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Um, the answer is about eight years. Eight years. Whoa. Any of my Whoa. any of my fellow mom listeners out there? They're all cringing, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're all like, wow yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's. It's just crazy. Um, the mother and infant have just a really strong bond. And once again, it helps me be able to relate with them. Cool creatures.
0: Right. They are. They are. And, you know, jumping into the conservation, we already kind of highlighted they're critically endangered. The, you know, one thing I saw was they're, like I said, at the beginning. So looking at their habitat in the last 50 years, it's gone from 25 million hectares down to ten million. Wow! So they've, wow. they've had a greater than sixty percent loss. It's yeah, tough. in just fifty years, and it's exce- it's accelerating. It's not slowing down. And I really, you know, looking into this and, and really starting to dredge up the weeds on on their habitat. There's two types of forests that orangs live in. There is the lowland carp forest. Mm-hmm. So these trees are being used extensively for wood, oil, bombs, plywood. And the thing is, this these are the trees that their rings depend on for mm-hmm. fruit. So this is a large, lot of their fruit-bearing trees. And then I thought, wow, for fruit bats, too. Sure. You know, uh, very, very important. So these are being harvested for wood throughout the world. And then the peatland forest, this one was really interesting. This is really where they prefer to be. The fruit trees, you know, they're seasonal. They, they sprout fruit. The orangs come in, eat, and then they'll go back to these peatland forests. These are where they really want to be because it provides much of their other food that they they need. The thing is about these is this is a huge carbon sink, this type of forest. It takes a lot of carbon out of the atmosphere. They, scientists have estimated these peatland forests absorb 20 times more carbon than any other type wow. forest types. And then they also f- purify the water, right? Environmental... You know, they're purifying the water while they do that. These are the forests that are being cleared for palm oil. And, you know, that kind of rolls into palm oil apps. I know we talked about it in the fruit bats. I know it is something that you want to talk
1: about. Yes. Um, Are there other types of wood that could be used besides this peat wood and the other one you had mentioned? Right. So
0: one of the the tips of the week I was kind of looking up was Mm -hmm. thinking of sustainable wood. One of the things that, you know, I always like to... To use sure. one of the things I love is bamboo. Bamboo is very sustainable. I love bamboo products. I have a bamboo salad bowl and and little bowls. I love my bamboo mm-hmm. cutting board. It is very sustainable because it grows very fast. Anybody, it's almost like an obnoxious <laughs> weed sometimes. Yeah. Bamboo grows really quickly and really well. The some of the exotic woods to avoid because these are being illegally logged around the around the earth. Or also just being logged and they're not sustainable. So there's the the mirba, uh sapely, wenge, ebony. Mm-hmm. For North America, you know, one mm. of the things we see is Brazilian mahogany. That is a non-sustainable wood. Also teak. I know I like teak. You know, I've had some teak things. Burmese teak specifically, you should You're avoid. You're fancy. But, <laughs> I know, but teak in general, you know, yeah. like you, you know, it's just things that we don't think about. And I'll put. I mean, the I list have IKEA. What,
1: I wonder what kind of what IKEA yeah. is because yeah, <laughs> plywood. It's like that's what pine. I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you bring no. I, 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 I'm making light of yeah. it. But you bring up really, really yeah. valid points as yeah. far as there's there's definitely a way to vote with your dollar and 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 make good choices. And now that we're having this conversation, I do buy a lot of IKEA products and I don't – it would be interesting to know what kind of of wood they use. Or as I someday – once my kids ruin all the furniture I have and I do go to get new stuff, what choices are there that I – how could I vote with my dollar to buy better wood products that are sustainable? So Right.
0: And I would say the FSC, which is the Forest Stewardship Council uh, out of the EU – they certify sustainable wood. Mm-hmm. So there's some oak, you know, usually from the U S UK, EU or Australia generally is sustainable oak elsewhere. Probably not mahogany is another big wood. It's in, if it's from Brazil, it's been illegally logged okay. or, you know, not sustainable Douglas fir. That is one that's, that supplies a lot of stuff. Maybe Ikea. I don't know, but it's that's actually not very sustainable from the US or Canada. So, again, we are looking at ways to vote with our dollar. People are paying attention just mm-hmm. to politics, you know, even from here in New Zealand, you know, keeping tabs on what's going on back home. People make an impact. Absolutely. When they vote with their dollar and they say, this is what we want. The companies listen. So, you know, like with the palm oil and stuff.
1: Well, like let's that. put that stuff on the show notes about the sustainable woods yeah, so people sure. can learn a little bit more about how, if they have interest in how to uh, make better choices. And Chris, that rolls really nicely into my first organization of the week, which is um, the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Yay. And the reason I want to highlight Cheyenne Mountain Zoo is they do an incredible amount of work. Um, please check them out at cmzoo.org. Of course they're on Facebook. But these guys have worked their buns off and put together really amazing ways to help orangs. So first and foremost, they put out orangutan friendly Valentine candy gift guide that will help you choose candies that promote either sustainable palm oil or no palm oil in their products. And so you can figure out how to vote with your dollar, whether you should buy Hershey's or Three Musketeers. Always pick Three Musketeers, unless there's palm oil in it, <laughs> unsustainable palm oil. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and the main reason I picked Cheyenne Mountain Zoo is because they have an app that they've created called Sustainable Palm Oil Shopping. So you can get on your smartphone right now, Google, um, Android, you name it, uh, iPhone, whatever, and look for Sustainable Palm Oil Shopping. And Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, you could type in that too. And this app is going to help you as a consumer vote with your dollar and make better choices about products that have palm oil in them. And Chris briefly touched on the fact that obviously forests are being cleared for wood. And that is true. Uh, but forests are also being cleared to, of course, they take the wood and sell it. But they're being cleared for to plant palm oil palm trees and the fruit from palm trees makes this wonderful oil called palm oil. And I say it, it is wonderful because it is a great oil and an efficient oil. It produces four to 10 times more oil per acre than other crops like soy or canola. So for that instance, it's a little bit more sustainable. And there are definitely, definitely environmentally friendly ways this oil can be produced. Um, It needs less land than other typical oils because if it's grown the right way, palm oil can be an amazing choice. And now there's being all these initiatives uh, and groups to help determine what, what groups of farmers in these countries are farming and planting what's called sustainable palm oil. In my second organization of the week that I picked regarding orangutan conservation, was a difficult pick because there's actually a lot of groups doing really amazing things um, on the islands, overseas, internationally. Just There's a plethora of people that I, I, gosh, I wish I could talk to each one individually, that are in groups that are just really from rescuing orphaned, orangutans like Leonardo DiCaprio mentioned to trying to protect the forest to teach to working with farmers about sustainable palm oil so there's just an an abundance of people doing good things just google it and your mind will be blown too so I would like to give them all a shout out and if anybody's listening please reach out to us we would love to talk to you but what I, I yeah I did I did Pick one of the bigger ones and well-known ones that's uh, called the Orangutan Foundation International, and they can be found at www.orangutan.org, and they're also on Facebook. And they're a nonprofit that does a- everything, okay? They're a really big group, lots of information on their website. But I was really impressed to find out that um, almost 90% of the profits that they raise, if you donate to them, goes to into the programs back into the organization which is a lot better than a lot of nonprofit organizations. So for me that's always a really good sign, but as far as what the group does, oh man, they do everything. They as far as what they do as a conservation organization, they conduct research, they do palm oil training programs for farmers and they have lots of other educational programs and they help conserve the wild orangutan populations and particularly their rainforest habitats. They work with trying to keep those um, saved and they have been known to rescue orangutans that need to be rehabilitated and release them to secure sanctuary wildlife sites. So just an abundance of um, amazing things that orangutan foundation International right. does and i think they're if you're looking for groups to get involved with or to learn more about i think they're a great way to start they they also have a lot of partners because once again in order to fight this good fight we're gonna need cooperation with all the research that i've done so far not that i've done that not that chris and i we've covered what 20 species so far right at the very beginning of this but this was i was so this i was most tickled pink to use a term my mom used to use. I was tick I was tickled pink to see how many groups are out there trying to help these guys.
0: Right, Everybody right.
1: can do a little something, and or Chris said even if you, if you don't have a smartphone or you don't want to don't have any <laughs> don't have any memory to download apps or whatever. Yeah, you can just you can just yeah, tell yeah. a friend, right? Talk to your friends about palm oil. Right, right. Um, it's it's cool to use sustainable palm oil. It's cool. Trust yeah, me. Yeah. The animals, thank you. We thank you, and I just, yes. I just really believe that. A, for a lot of times, when we're at home on our couch, it can feel like there's not a lot we can do. This is something we right. can really do very easily without getting off right. the couch. They're they're really they're cool amazing, creatures, amazing animals, man. And yes. if I had to do it all over again, I'd be an orangutan zookeeper because they just seem so cool. Yeah, I know. Maybe <laughs> in my would next be fun. life, it would yeah. Be
0: fun. Uh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just to wrap up, thank you. You know, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast. You know, each week we're coming out with more material. We, as soon as Angie's done graduating, we'll do five episodes a week. Absolutely.
1: You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My husband's like, and yeah, like, get a job. She's got to get a job though, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, get a job, get a job. The But you know, Angie and I are, are pushing stuff out each week. Just subscribe, rate, and review, and thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. And so do the animals.
0: Listen. Learn. Share. Join the movement at com.